Welcome to the Insurance Exam Podcast. I'm going to be sharing with you four sample lessons for the Property Casualty Insurance Exam. These four sample lessons are just four of the 24 audio lessons that make up the full Property Casualty Insurance Exam audio lessons course. The full course is 10 hours and 18 minutes in total length. And if you find these sample lessons valuable, please go to the website, insuranceexampodcast.com, and purchase the full bundle of audio lessons. Now let's get on to the sample lesson for today. This is the Property Casualty Insurance Exam Audio Lessons, Lesson number one, introduction. Hello and welcome to this lesson about the property casualty insurance exam. In this lesson, we will start off this course by giving you an overview about what you can expect from each one of these lessons. We'll talk a little bit about the test itself and how that is administered, what you can expect from the test. And finally, we'll talk about some good overall test-taking strategies that you can use in order to make sure you do your very best on the test. So you need to make sure that this is the proper test that you're trying to take, that you are trying to get your license in the area of property and casualty insurance. So there are different tests for different kinds of insurance, so just make sure that this is the proper test for you to be taking for to meet the goals that you want to do. So to be employed as a property or casualty insurance agent, you have to have a license that is specific to the state in which you want to be employed. And that is because each state has different guidelines. There are different rules in each state, a lot of them are similar from state to state, but you need to be familiar specifically with the guidelines in the state in which you would like to be employed. So each state has its own licensing requirements, but most of them do require an exam about property and casualty insurance as a part of becoming licensed. There are other things, some Times you have to have certain experience, other education, background checks are pretty standard, different things. But an exam is usually part of what you need to do. So this can either be your introduction to the insurance field. So you can get this as your very first license as an insurance agent, or you can take it to add on to your existing license. So if you're already an agent, licensed in other fields, you can go ahead and add this onto your existing license. The first thing that you need to do when you've decided that this is the test for you is that you need to find out where your state administers the test. Some states do this in-house. They have their own ways of having people come in and take the test, and others outsource the test to third parties. So these include the company Prometric, which is just a company that does all sorts of tests, including uh, this test and also many other kinds of professional exams that are similar. So most states will allow you to go ahead and retake your test 
if you don't pass it the first time, though other states place a limit on the number of times that you can actually take the test. And there's often a fee that's associated with taking the test. So in any case, you don't want to have to retake the test. If you can pass it the first time, you'll save time, money, and effort. So it makes sense to just try to do your best the first time you take the test. What's nice too, though, is that if you do need accommodations to take the exam through the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, that is something that can be arranged as well. You should contact the test administrator in advance to tell them that you do need these accommodations because they'll have to plan for them. But as long as you request them with enough time, then you give them enough notice that they can also accommodate any disabilities that you have. So the format of the test itself does vary from state to state, but the typical format is going to be something like a hundred multiple choice questions. And these questions are going to go into detail about the rules and regulations of property and casualty insurance. They will first cover general rules that apply to all states. So there are some federal guidelines that you'll need to take into account, as well as state-specific rules that you will also have to be familiar with. That's why you can't just get a license in one state and automatically be licensed in every other state. There might be some reciprocity in some states, but as a general rule, you'll have to get yourself familiar with the state-specific guidelines. So you'll need to take a test Again, if you move to a new state, that's going to have different guidelines. Now, the scoring of the test also varies from state to state, but usually they just take a raw percentage. It won't give you any penalty for guessing. So if you don't know for sure, if you can narrow it down, it's okay to give it a guess. So because you don't have any penalty for getting it wrong, you just don't know additional penalty other than not getting that percentage point or whatever you have to achieve a certain threshold in order to pass the exam. So it's a good idea to make sure you know what that threshold is. So you say, I need to get an 80% or a 75% or whatever it is in your state. You need to get a certain number of these questions correctly. If there are 100, then that's really easy because each question would be 1%. So you'll have an idea about how many questions you need to get right in order to pass the exam. It's also a good idea to check out your state's requirements regularly because the requirements are often updated. They can be from year to year, every few years. You need to make sure that you are looking at the most current requirements so that you don't do something wrong. You don't prepare the wrong things or proceed in the wrong way. All right, so that tells you a little bit about the things you need to know about your test. So I'm going to talk a little bit now about some general good test-taking strategies. Uh, These will apply to this test, but also to just about any other high-stakes test like this that you might do. First things first, it's a good idea the night before, don't stay up super late. You need to have as much rest as you can to make sure that your mind and your body are in good shape that they are not going to be a distraction to you while you're taking the test. 
The next thing is that you should, before you take the test, as long as it's feasible, is to get something good to eat. Have a sustaining meal with enough protein or whatever to keep you going. So also you're not distracted by hunger during your tests. You don't want anything to distract you, especially not being too hungry. It's a good idea, if at all possible, to make sure you use the restroom before you take the test. A test can take quite a long time. And once again, you don't want distractions. That's something that can take your mind away from what you're doing. So if at all possible, make sure that you do that before the test so that you don't have to worry about that during the test. Another very important thing to remember is that you're only supposed to bring approved materials to the testing center. In this case, there really not a lot that you should bring. You don't need to bring a calculator or anything. Anything that you need will be provided there. You're not going to be allowed, of course, to take your cell phone in, your smartphone, anything that you could record data on. Yeah, that's not going to be allowed, of course, because they don't want anybody to be accused of cheating. So limit what you bring because you're not going to be able to bring much in there. Check to see if there is anything that you can bring, such as scratch paper and whatnot, but you don't want to bring a whole lot else. Another thing that you definitely need to do, and this should be the same from state to state, is that you have to bring picture identification in order to take the test. You have to be able to prove that you are who you say you are. That's really important. You don't want to get there and not be able to prove you are who you say you are, and then you'll be turned away. They're very strict about that. They don't want someone else pretending to be you, taking the test in your stead, and then you're not actually qualified to be an insurance agent. They definitely want to avoid that. So make sure you bring proper identification when you go to the testing center. Another good thing to remember is to leave yourself plenty of time based on the traffic and weather conditions in order to get there on time. A lot of testing centers are not very flexible, shall we say, when it comes to uh, people being late for their appointments. So you really should try to get there a bit early. Look at the weather conditions the night before. Look at the traffic conditions. Leave with a little more time than you think you need. Because you never know. There always could be unforeseen weather or traffic events that yeah, there's no way for you to really know about. So just give yourself a little extra time. You'll never regret being there a little too early, but you will regret it if you come late and they might have to turn you away. Don't want to do that. Another good thing to remember is that a lot of times these tests have time limits. You don't have an unlimited period of time in order to take your test. So it's a good thing to remember that you should not spend too much time on any one question. If you spend too much time on any one question, you might run out of time. And so it's a better idea to try to go ahead and say, let's go ahead and get through every question. If there's some questions that are hard, give it my best guess and then circle back on that and do it again at the end if you have time. 
but it's much better to at least get an answer for every single question. Because if you don't get to a question, you have a 0% chance of getting that right. If you do your best at a question, you're often able to eliminate something and you'll have a much better chance of picking up a few more points. It's a great idea just to give your best educated guess for any questions that you're unsure of and use the process of elimination. If you say you have four possible answers, there are often those that are more likely than others. There's often some that you can reject out hand and say, no, that's definitely not it. So that narrows it down to three. Or if you can, you can take out two and re- reduce it to two. That gives you a 50-50% chance of then getting the right answer. So eliminate anything that is totally off the wall, that just couldn't possibly be the answer. And that's going to give you a much better chance of getting something right. If you do have extra time, if if you plow through it, and you still have some time, it's an excellent idea to go back and review your work. It happens all the time where you think you checked something and you accidentally checked the wrong box, or you, on the first time around, you accidentally read the question wrong and you're like, oh, wait, they asked what is not and not what is or something like that, where you decide, oh, good thing I caught that. I just read that too quickly. And I didn't fully grasp the meaning. So it's a really good idea to make sure that you do read things not too quickly, that you read them thoroughly, that you understand what the actual point of the question is. What are they actually asking for? Make sure that you understand that. And it's a great idea not to cram this all together so that you don't just try to study at the very, very end a whole bunch. It's a much better idea if you say, okay, this is a few months down the road. I'm going to study a little bit at a time and we'll just keep on going a little bit and a little bit by little bit until you go ahead and reach your goal. All right. So those are all good suggestions. Some just general strategies about taking high stakes tests like this one. So Let's go ahead and go back. In every lesson that we do, I am going to give you some material like I've just done, and then I'll give you a chance to quiz yourself. You're going to hear some questions. I'll give you a few seconds to think about each one after I post the question, and then I will give you the answer. And then you can compare and say, hey, I got that right. I must be ready to move on. Or you can say, ooh, I missed that one. I might need to review that material before I go on to the next lesson. So that's going to be a pretty standard thing throughout this course, is that I'll give you the material, and then we'll have a review session where you can test yourself. So let's go ahead and circle back, and I will ask you questions about the material I just talked about. All right, so my first question is... What is the requirement to become a property casualty insurance agent? What do you have to do? So in order to become an agent, you have to be licensed in the state in which you want to be employed. Now, why is it important to be licensed in an individual state. Why do they require that? 
So in this case, they require that because each state has different requirements. There's different rules and regulations that govern each state. So you can't just have one blanket license for every state because you need to become familiar with the state in which you are practicing. So what is something that is required from every state that you're going to be licensed in? So in this case, almost every state requires that you have passed a test so that it's a multiple choice test that talks about the rules and regulations that are specific to the state and also at the federal level. So if you want to take this test, at what stage of your career do you need to be in? So in this case, it doesn't matter. You can either be just starting out, and this is your first license that you're getting, or it can be that you are an established person, you already are licensed in other areas, and you just want to expand the fields in which you are licensed. So really, it does not matter where you are in your career, either just starting or already having had some experience. My next question is, where can you go in order to register for the test? So in this case, it depends on the state that you're in, but some it is good to remember that some states offer the test just in-house, and some of them go ahead and use a third party like Prometric, where that you can just take it through them and register on the Prometric site. My next question is, how does it work to retake the test if you need to, if you don't score high enough? So in this case, most states will allow you to retake the test if you don't do well on your first time, though other states also limit the number of times that you're allowed to retake the test. So it's good to make sure you realize how often you can go ahead and retake the test or whether you can in the first place. My next question is, what do you need to do if you need some sort of accommodations through the Americans with Disabilities Act. What should you do? So in this case, you just need to contact the test administrator in advance so that they know that they need to go ahead and make those accommodations for you. And that's totally fine. If you do need that, you just need to let them know. My next question is, what is the typical format for the test?
So in this case, the typical format for the test is 100 multiple choice questions that go into detail about the rules and regulations of property and casualty insurance. So what are the two main categories of things that are going to be covered by these 100 or so questions? So in this case, they're going to cover both the state-specific regulations and rules that you need to know, but then also the general federal guidelines. So you need to be able to answer questions on both of those. So how are the tests scored? And what will you have to do to pass? So in this case, tests are, are scored differently in each state, but it's typically just a raw percentage, and you have to just get a certain threshold in order to pass your test. If you do, great. If not, you, ha you usually have the chance to go back and try again later. But that costs more time and money and effort, so it's best just to try to get it done right the first time. My next question is, what are some things that you can do before your test to make sure you are not going to be distracted during your test? What are some things you can do to prepare? So in this case, first thing you want to do, get a good night's sleep. Make sure that you are not tired. The second is that you want to make sure that you get a sustaining meal beforehand so that you're not distracted by hunger, of course. And then finally, you want to make sure that you use the restroom before the test. So you're not going to be distracted by that during your particular test. My next question is, what should you and should you not bring to the testing center? As far as what you should bring, you should definitely bring photo identification to make sure that you can prove that you are who you say you are. You're the person who registered for the test and the one who's going to prove their skills. Next, we have what you shouldn't bring. And what you shouldn't bring is pretty much anything else. You're not going to be allowed to bring anything like a digital device, smartphone, or anything like that because they don't want you to be able to cheat by looking up at information on a device. So just... Don't bring much except for your ID. Why is it important to know the uh, weather and traffic conditions for your test? So that's important because a lot of testing centers don't allow you to be late. 
If you're late, you might have to reschedule. So it's a good idea to try to get there a little early instead of not quite so late. And my last question is, what are some test-taking strategies that I mentioned about the test itself, about the attitudes that you should have toward the questions on the test? So in this case, it's a good idea not to spend too much time on any single question to make sure that you have time to try to answer all the questions. It's a great idea to go ahead and make an educated guess about um, any questions that you're unsure of. It's a good idea to use process of elimination. So if you can say, hey, I, I really don't think it's B or D, it's maybe A or C then that gives you a better chance. It's a good idea to go back and check your work. If you're all done and you have some additional time, use that time in order to make sure you didn't read a question wrong, you didn't mark the, the wrong box accidentally, something like that. And finally, it's a great idea to study over a longer period of time, if possible, that you don't try to cram everything in at the end, that you'll retain information much better typically if you take it in smaller bits over a longer period of time. Because, of course, this is information that you're going to need actually out in the field when you are doing your job. It's not just for the test, it's also for your actual employment. All right, so how'd you do? If you did great, then go ahead and move on. If you're still struggling with that, it's a good idea to go back and listen to that again before you move on to the next session. And that's all for our lesson for today. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this sample lesson useful and valuable. If you did, and if you want to purchase the full bundle of audio lessons, please go to insuranceexampodcast.com. There you will find both the property casualty, the life, health, and various other audio lessons that might help you prepare for a career in the insurance industry or the financial services industry. Best of luck in your studies.